Happy birthday, Roscoe. Is it Roscoe's birthday? It's Roscoe's birthday today. He's seven years old today. Oh. Oh, Zula's Gattaca. Zula's Gattaca? <laughs> yeah, Zula, it's Gattaca. It's <laughs> another experiment. Gone right. Attica. Attica. <laughs> Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaYS.com. Joining me today is Chris. Happy birthday, Rusko. Rusky. It's Rusko's birthday today? <laughs> uh, Brent. Hi. TJ. It's Rusko's birthday today? <laughs> and David. That's me. On I this... got to give you a question real quick. Okay. What's the highest grossing Daniel Radcliffe movie that's not a Harry Potter film? Holmes. Tusk. The Woman in Black. Nope. Is um... it Tusk? That's the one. That's the title of the it's movie. It's a movie everyone has seen. Swiss Army Man? All four of us have seen. It's a cameo. This is the Does end. he play himself? Well. Knocked up. No. It's uh Hmm. He plays himself. Kind this, of. Or he this, plays Harry Potter. This is Potter. the end. No. No. Is it just, uh, what's his name? He's in that drink? He doesn't, he doesn't really play himself. He plays a, he's in another, he's in a movie within a, the movie. New Year's Eve. Goddamn. He's in the romantic comedy like the dog walker or something? Yeah. Inside of another movie that I've seen. Tropic Thunder. Wasn't this on a Doug Loves Movies? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a... <laughs> train wreck. Train wreck. It's the movie that John Cena and her go see. The dog walker nice. starring Daniel Radcliffe. <clears throat> Alright, continue. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Talkie Talk. <laughs> Weekly trivia. <laughs> the Talkie Talk trivia mini-cast. Yep. <laughs> so on uh, today's podcast... Episode. We're going to be t- doing our watch list, what we've been watching, and uh, what else we do on that? News. Yeah. And news. And it'll be a special news segment this week. It's called Breezy on the Streets. We've never done it before. <laughs> Breezy Eddie <at> 3. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's get started with what we've been watching and or playing. Anyone want to give it a pop? I think me and Chris can go first because we saw two things and we saw them together. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Each other's butts. <laughs> we went to the drive-in and saw the double feature of um, It Comes at Night and Alien Covenant. Fun. Oh. They were a flip-flop from what I thought my results would be. I thought I would like It Comes at Night better than Alien Covenant, but it was the other way around. Not by much. Alien Covenant was a perfect like action horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it was, as a movie, it was, I gave it three and a half on that site we all use. Letterbox said. I gave three stars to It Comes at Night, which uh, Alien was scarier. I mean, neither one was scary, but Alien was scarier. Uh, yeah. I heard that It Comes at Night was a little bit of a bait and switch from what the trailer shows. It really is. Yeah. It, is. it seems like it's going to be this The Devil's Among Us kind of horror movie. like, And it is and it isn't. Spoilers for the movie that no one's going to see, now that no one has seen. It is only about Beep. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only about like who is the bad guy uh, in conversations afterwards. Not that it's a movie you have to think about, but it's a movie that you have to talk about. Like, you know, they, they intersperse reality with dreams and you kind of have to figure out at the end, like, what's real. But, like, they don't do it well in that it's it's completely open to interpretation in a bad way. And, like, a, why do I have to write this ending to your movie for you? Yeah, like, I didn't want it to be... I don't even want to call it a thriller or a horror movie. It's just, like, a psychological movie. It's just like a movie to make you have to think about what I would do in that situation or yeah. whatever, hmm. which is fine, but not not as advertised. Yeah. Hmm. I don't really have a lot to say about that movie. Me like, neither. if everybody saw it, I wouldn't uh, really have a lot to say about it. I gave it probably a half star or full star bump from what I originally thought, <clears throat> because in reflecting on it, uh, I was talking to a, a friend at work, and, and you know he had a dinner and a movie date with his uh, girlfriend tonight, and I was... It's like, well, I saw these movies and I hear Wonder Woman's good. And I was talking about uh, It Happens at Night, which is the title of the movie, right? It, it Comes at Night? It Comes at Night. It's the worst fucking title to any movie. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, like... It's the perfect title Nothing for, ever comes at night. <laughs> it's the per- perfect title for a movie that's, like, this generic. Hmm. But the way I was thinking that is, I felt that I made a mistake in being quick to judge it as a... 
ooh, nothing happened. Because upon reflection, it feels like it was paying homage to movies, like older movies that were, they took out the jumps, they took out the scares, and they took out the monster. And they were all about suspense. Yeah, I can respect that. I, I mean, yeah. I think they did what they set out to do well. I just think it was misadvertised. See, and... Like, the, I, the fall of the characters was interesting to me. Yeah. They had opportunities to create the boogeyman. And I think they did the right... They made the right choice in choosing not to show the boogeyman that they tried to create amongst the five people who were... Six people who were staying at the house. Which, if you don't know anything about it, six people are in a house. Seven. Um, seven people are in a house. Seven? Yeah. Six. Six. Seven, six. seven in the beginning. Yeah. So very, there's, very, very beginning. Yeah. Someone dies? Um, <laughs> well... It's a family, and they take in another family at a certain point, and you're trying to figure out, like, is this new family who came in with this established family, are they a threat, basically? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And it turns out it on Ted a couple times, and, you know, you've got unreliable perspectives, and that, that part's done fine. The rest of it, it, it just seems like a monologue that drags on, talking about, it, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Is, is you, you, you start the movie going, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? And you end it asking the same question. Sure. And, and I don't award a movie you know, any extra points for doing that in a clever way. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, as far as Alien Covenant goes, we talked, we were at the drive-in, which is a fun place to watch movies. That you, you know, movies like that where you want to just talk the whole time because you can. You're allowed to. And it was a little abrupt at times. Just like, action one, action two, action three, action four. Like, yeah. moving on, moving on. But... Like an action movie. It's not supposed to be anything amazing. Yeah. And uh, I was shocked that Danny McBride wasn't annoying. Yeah. He was actually pretty good in it. Yeah. All He's somebody I easily dislike in movies. All of his, um, all of the like extended trailer, like the Building the Universe trailers for it, where it was just like, it would show like a snapshot of like 10 minutes with the crew. Danny McBride is insufferably Danny McBride. But in the movie, he's just like, he's a, just a generic pilot. Not generic, because he's still funny, kind of. Yeah, he's that, he's that like pilot from like movies like that, where it's like, we gotta have the cowboy. Yeah. yeah His name is Tennessee. At least he doesn't yeah. seem out of place, like he, there's Joe no. Apatow character in the middle of this. Yeah, right? no. He's, he's understated in a way that's appreciated amongst all of these super serious performances. Um, and uh, none better done than Michael Fassbender. He's so good in that role. Yeah, he yeah. plays he plays uh, two characters, and that's not a spoiler because this movie takes place after Prometheus. Yeah. Um, and he plays uh, David, the android, the bishop like android stranded on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he also plays Walter. 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 An, the an model droid. Right. The model that's sent with the Prometheus with the Covenant ship, and they meet. And it's it's Fastbender acting against Fastbender. Like those scenes are perfect. Yeah. Does he modulate it so you can tell, or does one just have like a goatee randomly? Uh, no, but it's that's a plot. Yeah. A side okay. plot of the movie is not knowing. I mean, it's it's David's been stranded on this planet. When the, you need to tell, you can tell. Yeah. When you're da- not supposed to tell, you can't tell. David's been stranded on this planet, and for the entirety of of his life on this planet, he's become a, a zoologist, basically. And so you can tell the difference, even not in appearance, but just by like their dialogue, because one of them is talking about like the origin of species and like evolution and, you know, all of like the butterflies whose wings they've pinned against the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. The other one's talking about butts. The other one's talking about, you know, you know, we have their program for. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a duty to protect yeah. these people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about loyalty. It's about. You know, this is our, our our role as shepherds to these people. I liked it probably a little more than you did. Um, maybe it was unfair because I walked away from uh, it comes at night hating it. Yeah. Um, and then I like it more now, um, yeah. which made Covenant better. Right. But <clears throat> I would recommend both. Yeah, they're both because movies. Mainly because it comes at night got like great critical reviews, and I just want to see if anybody like loves it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I can't see how anybody would really. I think it's out there. It's got like some critical raves. Yeah, not across the board, but right. And I would recommend Alien Covenant because it's a it's a fun romp. Mm-hmm. I think if you have Ridley Scott, you're always going to have just a competently directed movie at a baseline minimum. Yeah, and I'm not like the, a, another reason you might like it better. I'm not the like biggest Aliens fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Alien and Aliens are damn near perfect science fiction horror movies, <clears> but mm-hmm. they're not. You're not. They're not in any like top fifty list of mine. Right. But I recommend them both for sure. Yeah, that's what we saw. 
collectively, yeah. we, we both didn't really see anything else. I didn't watch a day on everything. Um, <laughs> I'll piggyback off this to say um, an update on last week's new game that I was playing, Dead Cells. Yeah. Uh, I completed my first run through. Cool. So I beat the mid boss and I beat the final boss. It's early access and they just put out an update and it implies that there's going to be more zones afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the Watcher, who's the first boss of this early access phase, is probably just the first boss, not the end of the run. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you kind of get to this point in the game, which the developer says is near feature complete, which probably hints at some kind of meaningful repeat mechanic. But you get to the end and it's like a dock and it's like, oh, the fairy you're waiting for hasn't come yet. The character just has an exclamation point over his head and then a tentacle from the boss that you just beat just kills you. And you restart the same way as if, you know, you died from just like a regular enemy. Huh. Mm. But made it all the way through. Um, I don't know how much motivation I have to keep playing that game other than, man, is the combat really fucking fluid. It's like, at a certain the point... the dodging and parrying is like yeah, pretty critical. It's And you upgrade your all of your uh, random drops to a point where when you start, you get a random melee weapon, a random secondary weapon, and a random shield. So every time you start a new run, it's different. Mm-hmm. What you get, like your kit to start out. And sometimes I start out and it's like three bad weapons. Three things that I hate using. I'll up two of them and just go, I'm going to try and speed run this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just dodge enemies. I'm just going to go as fast as I can. I don't care because there are certain timed doors that you get to it um, in certain levels, which unlock new blueprints if you make it in time. And then you complete the level. So I'm like, I'm going to shoot for one of those. So even when you get a bad build, there's still something for you to shoot for. And it's pretty elegant. But now that I've gotten to the point where I've beaten the now final boss, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking for a new game. And I downloaded one based on some E3 news. Um, it's on sale for half off. But I downloaded Ori and the Blind Forest, and I hear phenomenal things about yeah, it. Yeah, I know, too. I've been wanting Ori to get it. and the Blind Forest. <laughs> it's a gorgeous-looking um, game. It's another, like, Metroidvania, except done with a little bit more um, finesse. It's, like, the difficulty of, like, a Super Meat Boy-type game where, you know, you're... So really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard platforming sections where, like, if you touch a wall, you know, you die and you start over at the section really quickly. But also with the progression that at a certain point you have so many abilities and so many like double jumps, triple jumps, quadruple jumps that you can just keep going and then you just get better and better at the game kind of naturally. Except instead of you know Super Meat Boy and Dead Cells, it's not unfinished or purposefully pixelated. It's like hand-painted, you know, they hired an orchestra and a composer to write the score. It's just supposed to be like a beautifully packaged game. So I'm looking forward to that next. Fun. Um, At E3, they announced the sequel. I jumped on it when it was 10 bucks. Seems like a pretty fair price to pay for a game that people are really reverent about. I've had that in the Steam list of like potentially getting for a while. And it's the kind of game that like anyone's computer can run this. So, if you're not on my recommendation, but on anyone's recommendation, or even Blind Forest, those are really good, and I'll probably report back next weekend. Okay. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. But, that's me. That's TJ. We did. Where are Chris and TJ? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go next. Ashley and I watched The Conversation, Francis Ford nice. Coppola's movie. Never yeah. seen it. Which she had never seen. I had seen only once, and that movie is just a, an excellent thriller. That may be the best Gene Hackman, yeah. which is crazy yeah. given how Hackman, yeah, given like uh, Bonnie and Clyde, given French Connection, Unforgiven, he's welcome, really welcome good. To Mooseport, welcome to Mooseport. You got uh, the Birdcage remake. <laughs> yeah, he is. Young Frankenstein, he's fantastic. Yep, in that yeah. movie, Harrison Ford's in it, and he's really yeah. good too. And it's like it's pre Star Wars Harrison Ford in a notable role, which is. Uh, Unusual. He's got that charisma of, of someone who may or may not stick with acting. And after Star Wars, you're like, you stuck, buddy. <laughs> Have any y'all seen Godfather 3? No. No. I just wonder if like Francis Ford Coppola might have like the director with the most five-star movies. Like, I even, I don't know, I'm interested to go back and watch uh, Godfather 2 because, I don't know, Conversation might wind up being my favorite Coppola movie of 74, even. even yeah, it's, it's really it's, good. It's just a, it's really good. It's a tight story. Um, Fun. Uh, we I watched uh, 2009 Colin Firth movie A Single Man, which I used to always oh, get, yeah. and I still get mixed up with Serious Man. Serious Man, Oscar <laughs> year, I think. Yeah, um, A Simple Man. Yeah, <laughs> Single Man. He's he's really good in it. Like the set design and the use of colors in it is really mm-hmm. good. But overall, movies is not that good. I didn't like it all that much. Yeah, I thought it was lesser than the sum of its parts. Was it worse than Nocturnal Animals? Well, it's worse than the sum of all fears. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
We like not Carl Animals, I think. You were the one who just didn't like that. I think your quote was, why did this movie get me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Do you know what, stupid. Do you know what a single man's about? Yeah. Uh, have you He's seen it? He's a homosexual professor in uh, the... Sixties, something like that. Seventies. Yeah, he's he's dealing with the loss of his uh, his lover and uh, who got killed in a car accident. And uh, it's like six months later, and he kind of can't get over it. So he just decides he's going to kill himself at the end of the day. And it's just a day, and it's the last day in his life. And it's him just ex- he decides he's going to like look for all the beauty in the world. It's a lot on, to pack in one on day. His, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I came. I thought it was kind of boring. Uh, he gives a good performance, but I didn't think he I didn't think he got cheated out of the Oscar or anything. Nice. Have you seen The Diving Bell and the Butterfly? No. I feel like that is a movie which takes that theme and does it better. Hmm. I love that movie. <clears throat> it's phenomenal. It's a French movie. Um, is that where the, the, the guy who can't move dictates? Or yeah. is that something else? The locked-in syndrome guy? Yeah, it's, it's a guy who he has a stroke, and he's throughout the course of his last day, he has his friends. He's a he's from academia also. Mm-hmm. He has his friends come and try and talk him out of um, his assisted suicide. And it's all told through like these beautifully intelligent conversations. And then like even prettier cutaways from like the action from like the bedside. To the retelling of these events, yeah, uh, I I think I have that movie in like my top ten all time. It's just probably yeah. like leftover of like you know arrogant movie watching Chris back in the day in college. But that's if I have a stroke, the way I want to go out, seeing all the people that I love and telling all the stories that I I love to tell and hearing the ones I want to hear. You know, I often get that movie and the Javier Bardem movie, The Sea Inside, confused. Yep, they kind of have a similar strategy, and they're both foreign language. Yep, I think they came out within a year of each other, and they're both basically, like both of them. <laughs> they're both basically people, you know, fulfilling their final wishes before their last day. Yeah, and they have like little fantasy sequences yep. of leaving their body. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, the next movie I watched, uh, Martin Scorsese movie, which I had uh, never seen before, didn't really know anything about, uh, The King of Comedy. Are you familiar with The King of Comedy? I know about it, I've never seen it. Jerry Lewis and uh, De Niris. The original Bobby, Kings of Comedy? Bobby D. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not often considered one of his greatest movies, like uh, Goodfellas and Raging Bull and whatnot. So, I think it was a flop when it came out. It was, and I thought it was fantastic. Nice. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I think it's on stars i want to say if if anybody has that and wants to check it out but uh yeah it's a comedy it's a black comedy and it might be my favorite robert de niro performance i've ever seen oh wow Ooh, robert de niro so it's not a black comedy the way the original kings of comedy are <laughs> no <laughs> uh yeah it's uh look i i have a laptop with me right now which is bad news for, for stretch jokes <laughs> yeah it's uh it's about he's like a mentally uh, unbalanced guy who thinks he's a fantastic stand-up comic and he wants to break into the business but he doesn't want to start at the bottom so he just starts uh stalking basically jerry lewis who is uh, pretty much like the Johnny Carson in the world of the show or the movie, and uh, yeah, it's a really unsettling movie to watch, and it it's, it's really creepy. It's kind of it reminded me of uh, Nightcrawler hmm. a little bit with just like I'm gonna make it and no one's gonna stop me kind of nice. way, and uh, it is. But it's it made me laugh out loud several times. It's it's funny and. Hmm. Really dark. The initial setup made me think of: Is it going to be like two hours of Robert De Niro's painful stand-up and raging ball <laughs> at the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is it is really really bizarre. Uh, I would I definitely recommend it to anybody. Nice. It's on stars. You said. Yeah. Nice. I think so. Um, Hearing from a lot of directors is like an influence. I think it's like cult status now. Oh, yeah. Really neat. Yeah, I forget. I, I wish I knew the examples off the top of my head, but I. You mentioning that there were definitely some movies, like modern movies, that the directors cite King of Comedy as a mm-hmm. major influence. The uh, original Kings of Comedy, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, so that one. Rewatch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's a classic. Never gets old. I love that movie. Sure. Never. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Grace is one of my favorite comedy characters of all time. Yeah. Who's Grace? The Ed's Ed Rooney's assistant oh. in the in the principal's office. Yeah, Grace. Yeah, that's it, a leave it on movie for me. <laughs> yeah, if it appears on PBS, just do, do, do. <laughs> stays there. <laughs> Seen it seven hundred times. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know why, but, but not, we not seven hundred. Weirdly, my my favorite part is when uh, right after uh, Cameron hangs up with Ferris the first time. 
And it's just him laying in bed, and it's when Cameron went to Egypt land. I love the uh, the back and forth between Ed and Grace. It's uh, my favorite. My favorite one is uh, after they. They get Sloan out of class because uh, their grandmother died or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Rooney's positive that Ferris is behind it, and he just says, you know, he's he's already skipping school. Now he's dragged Sloan Peterson into this, and Grace just looks looks at it. She says, she says, yeah, and his and her grandmother too. <laughs> like, Damn it, Grace. Uh, I'm a sucker for like the scene that was probably the most popular scene from that, but I can't watch the flash mob and not just grin from ear to ear the mm-hmm. entire time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's so great. It's the epitome of like everybody liking him too. Like yeah. he just takes over parade, and the parade's like cool. Uh, yeah, I think Cameron is the real star of the movie. So I think before the podcast, I posted on Facebook. I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off for the seven hundredth time, and uh, they said it was in the six hundreds. Well, th- that was uh, okay. I forgot so what's a hundred times. <laughs> In the past, like, 14 weeks. <laughs> Since we started this podcast. Watched it 20 times. This podcast. Yeah, today. That was the joke, Chris. Uh, but anyway, I said, I just realized, watching Ferris Bueller a bunch of times before, just realizing for the first time that he's the only character who doesn't, like, develop. Yeah. the re- It's about the rest of the characters in the yeah. movie. It's not about him at all. Have you ever heard the theories about that movie? Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that doesn't exist. That Ferris is a creation of Cameron's yeah. to allow himself the freedom to evolve and yeah. get out of his depression. Love that. But I just remember watching it. It's like, oh, it's his sister. It's it's Cameron. It's Sloan. It's Ed Rooney to a degree. Like, these are all the characters that are changing. And yeah. it's not about him at all. Yeah, he's a he is a Tyler Durden. Yeah. Basically, for the movie. Yeah, I love that movie, though. Yeah, it's great. watch. Other than that, there's just one more movie I saw, and it was recently recommended by us to you, the listener. Blindly, our bad, I saw The Mummy. Oh, really? The original? Nope. Wait, you're calling me out. I was the one who was the one who recommended it. (laughs) It was just Chris. I was trying to include all of us collectively. It comes at night. Yeah. Well, if one of us says it, we all said it. So I'm (laughs) I'm sticking with Chris on this. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Jump on board with that idea. (laughs) So I went into the mummy. Uh, today with high hopes like I was thinking okay you know what I'm I'm op- I don't think it's going to be a great movie but I think it's I'm ready to be entertained I'm ready to give it two and a half stars and it, yeah I was I was thinking I'd love for this to be a three star movie out of five someone bump John dies at the end even lower <laughs> uh, unfortunately they failed to deliver that it was boring the really? dialogue was r- really bad I expect that but it's boring it who's was, the director good question <laughs> Alex Kurtzman. People, people, pop. Yeah, Alex Kurtzman. Seen racist. He's finished. Alex Kurtzman. He did uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, Star Trek um, episodes of Fringe. We did two bad movies and one good movie. It sounds like. Wait, what are the two bad movies? Amazing Spider-Man was not good. I actually thought it was half, oh, sorry. halfway good. He directed the Amazing Spider-Man too. Oh, uh, uh, never mind. That's, yeah. that's real that's bad. Yeah. Worse. <laughs> Star Trek um, was great though. I had to read the hover text. That was J.J. Abrams. What did he say? He wrote it. Oh, let me make sure I'm attributing this properly. Did he direct Star Trek 2? Because that one sucked. (laughs) Into Dark was that bad. It's just funny because on the Google movies and TV shows, it goes Star Trek Mummy Spider-Man 2. So He probably was just like a sound guy. (laughs) The way he said it, I want to say like indigestion diarrhea. He was was just in charge of lens flares. Yeah. So (laughs) so he was a producer. One thing that was shitty about that movie. So he looks like a producer turned director. Oh, that works Which is... Yeah, most of his filmography is production credits. For directing, he has four movies under his belt. The Mummy, People Like Us, I'm not sure what that is. And then an episode of Alias and a TV show called New Day. So he clearly got, he's a he's a J.J. Abrams <clears throat> disciple who does not have the master's touch, you know, when it comes to it. He wrote the screenplay for Star Trek Into Darkness, Amazing Spider-Man 2, The Sleepy Hollow TV show. Oh. Gross. Um, that movie shows. And um, he was also the writer of The Mummy. Oh, of course he was. Yeah. No one to blame. So there's, directed it. Yeah, there's uh, spoilers. I don't give a shit if I spoil this movie for you. The only way I could spoil it for you is by saying go to it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, there's a there's this one, like, I don't, I don't even remember the specifics. I saw this today, and I don't remember <laughs> the specifics from this movie. First off, I can't really describe the plot that well. I don't know how the... I don't. There's a spell, or there's a there's a curse 
I, I don't know how the mummy still exists in today's time after bandages. something. They they failed to explain that. Really tight bandages. Yeah, they failed to. <laughs> They failed to quality ace They failed to explain pretty much all elements of the plot whatsoever. <laughs> Medical tape. Lots yeah, of um, it's really really bad. But there's this one Gauze. like to give you an to give you an idea of the dialogue. Uh, at one point, Tom Cruise looks at the the mummy girl, and uh, right before he like I don't, know, I don't know, stabs her, punches her, I don't know, throws her off of something. I don't know. But stabs stabs her with a fist. <laughs> yeah, but it's right before that happens. He looks at her and he says, "It's not me, it's you." Nice. That's the gotcha line. I feel like it would have been better if he would have just like broken the fourth wall and said that to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> so been more interesting. Friend of the or friend. if he said, "It's not me." It's Zenu. <laughs> it is because uh, uh, fr- he's a Scientologist. I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that with a, a friend of the podcast, Al. Al was convinced that most of the movie was just improv by people who suck at improv. <laughs> because there is one scene when uh, somebody indicates to Tom Cruise's character that they they intend to kill him, and uh, he says, you, "Wait, you're going to kill me? You you're just going to kill me? You, you're going to kill me?" <laughs> He says like three times. That's the book report thing we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like he doesn't know what else to say. There's there could not have possibly been a script for that movie. It was really really bad. Well, Alex Kurtzman begs to differ because yep. he wrote it. <laughs> that took too long for me to get that name. You just said it. I thought you were gonna be like it's I saw it effect. and I loved it. <laughs> I was like, oh no. The act- some of the action was okay, but never engaged enough in the story to have any idea what the hell was going on. She had two eyeballs. Was that cool? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She had two pupils. The pupils split in Cyrus. Everybody has four pupils. She had two eyeballs. Everybody also has two pupils. She did have two eyeballs. <laughs> she did have two eyeballs. We should tell everybody this is the cy- This is a uh, podcast by Cyclops. Cyclopses. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> yeah. right, so don't go see the mummy. No. Right. Stuck around to see if there was a post credit scene. There wasn't. It was just a big one fuck you to the crowd. Director, <laughs> Alex, Director Alex Kurtman did state there is no post end credit scene because that's Marvel's domain. Yeah, so is fun, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently Burn. Apparently they touted this as being the first mummy in the Universal Monsters. Yeah. Uh, but apparently in the 1932 movie The Mummy, uh, Boris Karloff's Imhotep searches across millennia for his mummified lover, an ex moon. So, <laughs> this movie did nothing. Yep. Except set up a universe that nobody fucking asked for. Yep. The Dooku is a thing, and we're going to have to deal with it. The Dooku is a thing. Dark universe. <laughs> All right, David, what you got? You're done, right? Yeah, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Good. Well, anyway, I haven't watched a lot myself. Uh, caught up on the most recent episode of Fargo. Anyone see Fargo? Still not. No. I need to get there. I will say that the eighth episode, and this one's the ninth, the 10th is the finale. The 8th and the 9th have been by far the best episodes of the series. Fun. It's kind that's, of, it's that's, kind of, that's Fargo season that, 1 and 2 also. Is 8 and 9 are like the high points. Yeah, I think in 1 then, I liked the like 3, 4, and 5 the best. Like the middle. I don't I'm, know. Like Billy Bob Thornton getting away with everything was really, really good in that first season. I'm just thinking of the Martin, way that... Martin uh, Freeman framing his brother. That whole, that whole yeah, episode and yeah. sequence is pretty... Thrilling too. Well, the whole first season was great. I also love Key and Peel watching this, like this outside the building as the slaughter oh, yeah. happens. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I remember where in the season that is, but yeah. but um, I'm just trying to think of the way that Noah Hawley paces his shows. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's, it's the same in Legion too, where like eight and nine are the crescendo, and you've got ten for epilogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, early on, I thought like Carrie Coon. I was so excited Carrie Coon was gonna have two like the best shows on television, mm-hmm. and she's just been okay on the show. Like, just the absolute unquestioned MVP for me is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is awesome. Nice, I love her in these episodes. And the uh, the bad guy David Thewlis, the guy with the teeth, mm-hmm. is just like perfect villain. The the it's probably my least favorite series of uh, Fargo so far, but I just like that universe, and it really picked up. The last couple episodes. So give it a shot. If you got the time, it's worth it. Yeah, and a quick little segue. Uh, another friend of the podcast. You said you were done, TJ. Who l- listens to, uh, to everything. Told me today uh, that Chad said uh, Legion is like the best thing he's seen on TV like this decade. He is just obsessed with that show. Wow. I thought, yeah. The first couple episodes, I thought it was weird. But the way it coheres in the end, it's one of the yeah. most transcendent TV I shows. I haven't seen a second That's... of it. But he just said it's like... So bizarre, right up his alley, loves it, loves how they did it, what they did with it, just 
couldn't say enough good things about it. So I'm going to start soon, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre for a purpose. Yeah. Which I think a lot of shows and movies miss. Yeah. It was just on my wavelength <clears throat> towards the end of it with the Jemaine Clement character when he gets stuff. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't going to go into it anymore. Though. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention that because he said it today. Even the wrong verb, kind of. Yeah, that kind of sentence of like it's the best thing of the decade with that kind of show just surprised me. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I love that show. Nice, but uh, I didn't watch it this week. <laughs> uh, the other thing I saw, I saw a movie uh, called "To Be or Not to Be." Just What's I'll your say question? that I'll clearly enunciate that "To Be or Not to Be." Toby or not Toby? Toby or not Topher. <laughs> to be movie or not to be movie. Yep. It's an Ernst Lubitsch I still movie. the title. <laughs> uh, so think Shakespeare. To be, okay. not to be. To be I'm or not to be. I'm scared and confused. But it, that, it's that like that a... song? Sorry. We're not making jokes about the title. Welcome anymore. to Talkie Talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk about your Shakespeare play. You're talking about your movie from the 40s. <laughs> God. It is from the 40s. Nice. <laughs> I have a computer this time. Chris with a laptop. Oh, yeah. And I can really quietly type things. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a movie set. It, it came out in 1942. This was bef- It was filmed before like the U.S. was involved in World War II. It takes place in Poland. It's like an acting troupe in the middle of Warsaw. Hmm. Um, gets involved in trying to like thwart a Nazi cause. Uh, early in the... the thir- well, I guess... Late for Europe, but early in the Second World War. Happened to come out right after uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. So Americans thought it was in poor taste and it kind of flopped. Oh. But it's got Jack Benny. I'd never, Uh-oh. like, I know Jack Benny's name, but I'd never seen him in anything. He was just like a yeah, variety guy, like a Razzmatazz right, right, right. dude. <laughs> just does, like, stand up comedy and stuff. Like Johnny Carson type. David's, yeah. David's got sick jazz hands going on right now, audience. <laughs> just nonstop. <laughs> 365. It's the whole podcast. It finally made sense. Yeah. Um, so it came out in 42? Yeah, it came out in 42. When was the when was Warsaw invaded? When was the invasion of Poland? It was in the 39. late 30s. Okay. Yeah. September. It, this came out in March of 42. Yeah, but it is... It is Computer. The I movie, just know that. <laughs> the movie is uh, really funny. Weird. Yeah. Huh. It, it rings a lot of... Uh, oh, Jack Benny. Yeah, it rings sense. a lot of humor. It's him and Carol Lombard are in it. Brings a lot of humor out of the self-seriousness of the Nazis, like way before that was an okay thing to joke about, because hmm. it was kind of before the US was involved. Um, they have one thing where someone is playing Adolf Hitler, and like everyone, you hear Heil Hitler's like probably 70 times in the movie, just because there's officers saying it, and they're posing as officers, right. it's their acting troupe, but they go like, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, and the fake Hitler goes, Heil me. <laughs> <laughs> This is like making making light of some of that stuff, but making fun of the Nazi focus on. They do kind of touch on a joke with concentration camps. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Those are the most prescient jokes. But not in terms of like making fun of it, but uh, satirizing Nazis would be proud of something like this. Like this guy here's the actor is posing as a lieutenant who's known as like concentration camp. Ernst or something. Uh, he says he just keeps referring like they call me concentration camp Ernst. That's crazy. I'm concentration camp Ernst. That's me. I'm concentration camp Ernst. And just like can't get over it. And the German officer is like, yes, that's what they call you. It's a uh, wow, it's weird. a bizarre tone, but it sounds uh, like it. That was really loud. <laughs> it's deftly written so that it's it's pretty funny. It's got a ton of callbacks and it's very witty. Did you were you inspired to watch it because of our? Uh, uh, final films talk. No, actually, whose final film is it? Uh, Carol Lombard. Hmm. During when the movie was in post production, she died in a plane crash. Oh wow! <laughs> Chris found the internet today. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys know there's stuff on here? <laughs> Y'all see Alta Vista? It's crazy. I don't know. I can just be quiet anytime Brent and David talk during this fucking segment, or I can look stuff on my computer and contribute genuine facts. Not arguing at you. I'm yelling at myself for not knowing old things. Come call me. <laughs> Pretty cool. I'm just so proud of you. Two minutes ago, you're like, you're going to talk about that movie from the fucking 40s, <laughs> and now you're engaged. Uh, so, but the only thing is, in the, in the trivia on IMDb, they cut out one of Carol Lombard's character's lines uh, that was apparently, what can happen in a plane? Yep. Which, uh, apparently, at least one thing. Because she died in a plane crash. Oh. Oh, weird. Yeah. Was so that cut, happened cut before she was 
Yeah, post production. She died before the movie came out. Post death. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I saw it on uh, Filmstruck. Ernst Lubitsch directed it, and he he did Nanachka. I talked about a couple weeks ago. Nice. Uh, maybe a couple months ago. It's the one that's like making fun of the Soviet Union before all those jokes became hacked. Oh, uh, yeah. And this is like another kind of trailblazing, making fun of Nazis. Even at the time, it was controversial, but especially after the movie, it was pretty controversial for its tone. Yep. Yeah, only other thing I saw is probably the most amount of time I've spent watching something is I watched 10 episodes of Polygon's Touch the Skyrim series. <laughs> so this good. is uh, Griffin McElroy, who does the uh, the videos Chris turned me on to about uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Griffin McElroy and um, Nick Robinson. Nick Robinson. So it's from, from Polygon. From they're both from Polygon, which is a pretty good uh, website. But Griffin likes Skyrim, and uh, Nick doesn't. So in order to uh, get Nick entertained. Griffin loads it with mods, but doesn't tell him the mods. <laughs> so they play a game where it's like, guess that this is a mod. So he'll just be like walking through the, the in the white run, the Jarl's, uh, the Jarl's Keep, Dragon yeah. Reach. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go do this thing. And all of a sudden you see Crash Bandicoot just like walk by the banquet table. <laughs> you just like screen past it. And he's like, wait. Was that Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> and every time it does it, there's like it goes mod detected. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the editing. My favorite part is is that voice that goes mod discovered. <laughs> it's, at one point, like he does, like all right, this is like 15 mods to let orgies happen. <laughs> it's like mod, 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 mod. Yeah, <laughs> like overlay on each other. Yeah, my my favorite uh, season of it because it started at 1.0. Yeah, uh, is uh, they keep adding mods until the game breaks. Yeah, until, <laughs> and then they start with a new character <laughs> until basically Griffin has to uninstall it from his computer and reinstall yeah. it. Uh, but the Susan Crushbone season, oh where they God. try to make her the sexiest orc in the land, whose soul whose sole mission is to fuck every creature. Uh, well, he's, she's trying to uh, fuck in an orgy all of the Jarls of the yeah. lands. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But it's, And my favorite part is uh, he unlocks a spell to give him Katamari Damasi powers yeah. so that every character floats to him and he gives himself like ultimate jump and he can slow it down so like he jumps in the air and in slow motion you see like cows, like soldiers just like float up into like the moon at him. Oh, and at one point they replaced the moon with the <laughs> the Majora's, the mask, Majora's moon. mask moon, <laughs> nice, <laughs> which is terrifying. Yeah. In one, the hand, the all of the trees in the lands are replaced by fleshy hands. <laughs> it is. It's really hilarious, especially if you play Skyrim. I, I gotta it is watch this. Hilarious. Yes. Yeah. I was at home uh-huh. and was just cracking. Uh, there are lots of things that Griffin McElroy touches that are hilarious YouTube slash video game uh, content. Touch the Skyrim is great. Mm-hmm. If you want something uh, that's more focused on just the conversations he has with Nick, there's a show called Carboys mm. um, where they play this game called BeamNG.Drive, and it's a realistic car crash simulator where... You know, it's got crumple physics. It's, you know, every part of the car is articulated. So when you drive, it's all, like, functioning within the physics of the engine. But it's really funny because they try and break the game all the time, Mm -hmm. including trying to install mods and then rip them apart. And then uh, Monster Factory, which I think I've talked about before. Yeah, with I, uh, Griffin and Justin. I've saw, I watched I've, some of those. Where they abuse character creators and uh, create storylines behind the characters that they make. Various games? Or, uh, yeah, Monster Factory's various games. Like anything that is a created character. I saw a Monster Factory for Fallout 4. Yeah. That, that is pretty funny. They do they do one for, uh, for Mass Effect 3 where since it doesn't have much of a character creator, he installs a mod so he can, quote, break his bones. <laughs> and the game keeps crashing at the same point, so they keep trying to make a more and more stable shepherd until they realize <laughs> that it's just like it's always gonna break there. And so they make like his eye like thirty feet from his face, but still have eyelids that blink as he talks. <laughs> it's really funny. I all all three of those are great. I love the Mac. I've got lost the monster thing before. It's hilarious. Yeah. It was one day coming home from work and I was like, Babe, you gotta see this and I should kill him. We sat down and watched Monster Factory for like Three hours. I watched it with uh, Chad Case on Seth when we yeah. were it for him. I mean, we watched that and I drank for like three hours. We just <laughs> giggled constantly. Yeah, one of the series of the Touch the Skyrim, he makes a character, he, he tries to set out to make a cool brontosaurus <laughs> who ends up having ten foot middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> 
just his middle finger just like extends completely. But uh, yeah, definitely check that out. That's so yeah. Griffin McElroy. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I've been watching. Nice. So after we all say what we've been watching, we do a ceremonial bloodletting into the middle of the table, <laughs> feed our microphone, and then go to breezy on the streets. I got a couple of quick things before we jump into E3 stuff. Yeah. There were two trailers I saw that I don't know if they're new, but we haven't talked about them yet, and they both seemed kind of interesting to me. One is a remake of Flatliners. What? Has anybody seen that trailer yet? I heard about it, but I didn't think it was real. Yeah, no, it's definitely real. Uh, Fans of the website, John or Jason, I can't remember who it was, shared the trailer. It was like super excited because he liked the original Flatliners. I watched it and Ellen Page is the new lead. Really? Huh. She's the new Julia Roberts? No, I think think it's different. I think she's... Keeper Sutherland? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, the names don't match up with the cast, but it looks interesting as hell. I mean, the premise is kind of interesting to begin with. I don't know, it looks fun. And then one of the podcasts that's always stuck out in my memory is the video game podcast when we talked about movies that mm-hmm. watched like video games play. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called Happy Death Day. Anybody heard of this or seen the trailer? I, I heard about it. It looks interesting as shit. It's like a college girl who wakes up and is murdered at the end of the day, and as soon as she's murdered, she wakes up again. Same it's like Groundhog Day, but a horror movie. Yeah, so it's like Solve Your Murder. It looks really nobody you would know in it. It looks pretty indie, but yeah, it's one of those ones where concept alone, I'd like be intrigued by. Yeah, I don't really care who directs it or who's in it. Like, I'll give it a shot. It made me think of like, oh my god, I hope this movie gets tied onto something at the drive-in because I would love to see it for free, essentially. But I'm not going to go pay twelve dollars to see it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But those two trailers look fun. Flatliners looks good. Hmm. I'm a big fan of Ellen Page. E Page. E P G. But now. David, what was our main topic for, for Breezy this We're week? We're talking about Breezy in the Street-3s. So We're I, doing E3. Yeah, it just wrapped up uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Fridays. So Thursday was the last official day of E3. Right. Um, I want to actually lend it to you guys first to see if there's anything that you saw that you want to talk about that you're excited about. Because, you know, I can... The reason why I have my laptop today, you know, is because, you know, I want to make sure that I cover the bits I want to cover and, you know, avoid the bits that I think are kind of, you know, not great. But yeah, you know, I kind of put a trailer dump in our comments and I don't care if you watch them or not. Those are just the ones that I was excited about. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if you guys were excited about anything that you saw coming out of E3. I saw y'all three talk about it all week on our a private message thread, and that was exciting. It's no longer private. <laughs> yeah, which and, and actually, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm throwing it to you, but first, I want to say uh, none of us got the title right uh, of the new Xbox true, console. Yeah. Uh, I really thought, and I like, I don't know why, but I love gambling. But I would have bet money on Xbox One Elite. But Xbox One X is the name of the new console. Which is going to confuse so many it mothers. It sounds like an upgrade on... But it spells what? Xbox. Right. Like, that's... You know, the, the stories are that the Xbox brass hated that people abbreviated their new console to X-Bone. <laughs> and yeah, that's the best way to say it. <laughs> yes! XB1 is X-Bone. Uh, and, and Brent said that, that he would love, with the way that it is now, Xbox One X... It was the X uh, Xbox. No, or, uh, I'm going to call it the Xbox Onyx. Yeah, Xbox Onyx. <laughs> um, but it was. I was watching some giant bomb coverage this week, and uh, they realized that it's Xbox One X. It abbreviates to Xbox, which is even more like skull fuckery when it comes to naming Xbox consoles. That this one abbreviates to just Xbox again. Anyway, so we were all wrong. TJ was the most right by just assigning one thing after Xbox. Right. <laughs> Which is all they did is they got in a board meeting and went, we've got the Xbox One, what should we call it? And someone went, I don't know what we called the last one, S. Why don't we call the next one, X? And they're like, great idea. Mitch Hedberg joke. I think what actually yeah. happened is said, DMX, you're a board member. <laughs> what do you think? He said, well, X gonna give it to you. <laughs> First he was like, what's up, what do you want? He was like, the game, put the game, put the game's at. <laughs> anyway, uh, David and Brent, I know you guys consumed more of E3. Uh, anything you guys are excited about? You saw? I'm excited about... Super Mario Art Odyssey. Uh, I did watch yeah. that trailer. That's cool. I was so fucking hyped for that. <clears throat> that music was really good in that trailer. Yeah, this it's the first um, it's the first uh, Mario theme with words, uh, which is like a weird thing to, to to point out as like a you know a, a point forward news item. But you know they hired a band to come and sing this thing, and it's sung by uh, Pauline Mayor Pauline, who if you remember Pauline, she's the damsel in distress in the original Donkey Kong. And they decided yeah, since they wanted yeah. a, since they wanted an urban environment as the first level, uh, they're like, well, what's something relatable? 
It's like, well, the closest thing to that was... DMX. Was, uh, <laughs> they wanted to know where the hood at, and the hood is fucking New Dog City. So... <laughs> which is... <laughs> that's the name of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mayor Pauline is a, is a jazz artist who sings that song, apparently. Weird. Yeah. That game looks like a lot of fun. It yeah. does. It really does. It gives me a shade of kind of Kirby, of taking on powers of your enemies. Yeah. But in a fully realistic... Or fully realized 3D animated environment. Mm-hmm. I guess you kind of... It's more like uh, some kind of game where you go take someone's... Uh, what's it called? When you go into someone and you're like... Oh, possess? Possess. <laughs> what do you like? You're all like, what? You go into someone and you're like, all like, this is my body now. Man in black, give me sugar. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? When you possess enemies and take on their skills. It looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> so that's what you're excited about. Yeah, there's one other trailer that I really loved, and it's, I almost hate to give them too much props because they kind of disappointed me as a company, but from Bethesda, I really like the trailer for the new Wolfenstein game. Yeah, new, looks, new Colossus. Yeah. It was just a really well done trailer. I don't even know if the mm-hmm. game's going to be good. It probably will, but the trailer was really well done. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I really loved the Lassie parody. Yeah, <laughs> with the mm. giant mecha robot dog. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play uh, New Blood or uh, uh, New, or- First New Order. First Order. First Order. First Order. I, I, I forget what they are. It might be New Order I it was and the New First Order. Blood. New Order. I, I didn't play the last two Wolfenstein games, but I know that there's a lot of hype around this, um, and it might. Uh, get me into the previous two for in anticipation. It's also coming out really soon. It's coming out in like the next like three months mm-hmm. um, for the new Wolfenstein. But BJ Blazkowicz is at it again. Apparently, you play the whole first level in a wheelchair. Yeah, um, I saw that. And you do like it doesn't limit your ability to do like crazy stealth kills and blowing people's heads off and like stabbing them in the throat. It's just full ultra violence, but just from the seat of a wheelchair. Nice. But yeah, that looked pretty cool. I just thought of a third one that really interested me, and that is uh, Spider-Man game. Yeah, Spider-Man looks really cool. Because it looks a little bit like Batman Arkham games. Yep. In the, like, the fighting modes and whatnot, and I think uh, those games were awesome. Looks and, like that mixed with like Uncharted or Tomb Raider style um, like set piece action things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From like almost like a movie, catching the helicopter and like taking it down. Yeah. Like straight out of Topher Graceland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Topher Graceland. <laughs> I'm headed to Topher Graceland. <laughs> yeah, and apparently they're um, they're shying away from quick time events, uh, despite the demo looking like it was going to have a lot yeah. of them. It seemed almost exclusively that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they well they they showed a couple of different routes during the crane collapse scene. So there are failure points, but they don't entirely rely on success in like button pressing, which I thought was pretty cool because I want you know a scripted action game a la Uncharted, but without all the real campy pre-scripted, basically like non-branching path, like like jam on triangle enough until you get past the thing. If you don't, then you die and restart. With this, it's like if you don't, you know, stop the crane from falling this way. There's another way you can stop it. If you don't do it that way, there's another way you can stop it. And eventually, there's a fill point, but. You build to it. Is it going to be an uh, open world, like, say, Batman Arkham City? That's still unclear. They were only really showing, like, a snapshot, which yeah. was, like, that first area. And from what I understand, there wasn't a lot of playability in the demo. Yeah. If any at all. The first kind of section, and then they really emphasize the point that, that you'll be able to swing around the city. But I don't know if it's going to be, like, an Arkham City style. You choose the quest lines that you want to choose. Because, I mean, Spider-Man 2 did that, and it was... I don't know if you've gone back and played that game, but Spider-Man 2 was really fun and did, like, the Spider-Man well. But it's going to be so hard to do. Oh, yeah. yeah you kind of had that with Batman, though, with the utility mm-hmm. yeah. thing, so you can... I mean, also hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. I just figured now now that it's kind of been done, I, I kind of want them to do that for, like, all superheroes. Just right. churn out these Arkham-style games, because that was fun, just because it had, like, every Batman villain. You just had Wolverine extending claws from one building to another. Superman swinging on a rope for some dumb reason. <laughs> but, like, wouldn't it be cool if we, got, if we got, like, a Daredevil game that was that combat style? Because now that Marvel's emulating it. Yeah. It would be like, easy to make, though. Just make the screen just black the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got Daredevil VR. Just 
My, my VR doesn't work. It's just, it's just a bandana. It comes from the PlayStation. But yeah, cool. Spider-Man. David, did you see anything you really loved? I did. I saw some, uh, like, kind of the biggest stuff didn't look that exciting to me. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think I'm going to ever commit to getting a Switch. So the Switch stuff was kind of cool and very tough. Yeah. Yeah, there's some cool stuff, but the Nintendo stuff I was kind of just out on. I'm trying to make this, this PS4 the last system I get. There's Kirby, new Kirby, new Yoshi, two new Metroids, new Mario, and you know they're going to... Un- I know you're not a big Smash Brothers fan, but I am. I like that game. It's one of the games I've played. Mm-hmm. Some of the smaller stuff looked really cool to me, like the Last Night, which is like the 3D Holy pixelated uh, Blade Runner looking game that looks like kind of an RPG but heavy on story. Yeah, it, from this little like niche studio looks beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, it might just be a point and click adventure, but I'm just I'm fucking in. I'm I'm into the story yeah. already just from the it's such a unique use of like the low res graphics. Yeah. I'm very excited for the fractured butthole, but they didn't really show any gameplay. It's did, kind of just what I would expect from a teaser. So did you see my message in our like private chat? They apparently had, um, I think IGN had had some time with it. The vertical slice they decided to show is when the new kid, which is always, which is the frame from the first game, hmm. is the new kid and um, uh, Craig, what's his name? Not Craig. Um, who's the kid with diabetes in South Park? Scott. Scott, like... Mackerson or something, but it's it's him and the kid with diabetes, and they decide that they need to go to the Peppermint Rhino to find out information. Which Peppermint Rhino is a strip club, yeah. And a, a large section of the demo is playing a mini game where these two eight-year-olds have to give lap dances to drunk men <laughs> in order to get information out of them because the new kid's special powers are all in him farting. Mm-hmm. There's gameplay videos out there; you should check them out. They look oh. like. You know, a South Park game. I just checked that out. Mm-hmm. But as far as like actual gameplay, I saw I was kind of interested in uh, both Days Gone and uh, A Way Out. Looks pretty cool. Days Gone looks like your kind of game that's like that. Mm-hmm. They look like a fun take on it. Is it a zombie game? Yeah, yeah, zombie game. And but the guy's like a biker. Biker. Yeah, he's yeah. in a biker gang. They actually refuse to call them zombies. They call them tweakers. Uh, yeah, but the, the it looks, wh- like a, looks like a great Last of Us gap filler. Yeah, but a way out looks kind of fun. It's like almost a more fun style. It's like the two guys trying to break out of jail. Uh-huh. Looks like really, and then it seems like a lot of it is also like I feel like only part of the game is breaking out of jail, and then the rest is like staying, yeah, like mm-hmm. staying free. It looks like it's going to be like full co op, like you and somebody else. It's not even full co op; it's mandatory. Mm-hmm. You cannot play that game by yourself. Hmm. Uh, the 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 developers made the game previously uh, uh, Brothers Tale Brothers, of Two yeah. Sons you could play that solo where you just split down the middle of a controller where left stick is one right stick is the other <laughs> or you could play co-op but this one is forced uh, co-op either online or with uh, couch co-op it looks really I, I was like I was kind of on board, and then I saw them shimmying up the walls, where it showed them like obviously like bouncing, trying to climb up, and I was like, "Oh, this game! It's it's got its hooks in me." Yeah, like they're balanced on each other's back, going up the wall. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, and Far Cry Five looks pretty. Cool. I gotta say the the gameplay and that the demo they did, or not demo, but the video they did, got mm-hmm. me pretty interested in it. Yeah, it's more Far Cry. If you like Far Cry, it's yeah. There. I'll throw out one. It's a uh, it's a game I never played previously, but. Uh, I'll probably check it out now because it's coming out for PS4 and that is Shadow of the Colossus. Me too. I totally missed the bus on that on uh, PS1? Two. two. PS2? Two. two. Okay, yeah. Three? Two. That's no, two. It was remastered on PS3. It did come out again on PS3. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then it came out in a re-release on PC, but I still have never played it. It looks amazing. I, yeah, I never played it either. Mm-hmm. Did you play the new game from the same creators? Last like, Guardian? Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. Team Ico. They say the game plan that's pretty rough. Oh. But the story's but, supposed to be like fucking like heart-wrenchingly yeah. good. If you talk oh, about, wow. you know, talking about games that could actually make you cry, I think that yeah. game comes close and Shadow of the Colossus I heard is also pretty emotional. Yeah. Wow. Well, because it's, it's just like, it's, it's, uh, what was the name of that movie? It's Adam Sandler as the, uh, it's the 9-11 Literally. grief movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rain Over Me. Rain Over Me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the game that uh, Adam Sandler is obsessed with the Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, that's yeah. right. And he says he and he was he says he plays it and he says the psychiatrist told him like this game is a great way to like think about grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of all that T. Michael does. Yeah. 
Because um, there's the game Ico, Ico, where you're escorting this like ethereal princess mm-hmm. through these like ridiculous obstacles, and in the end, like I think she's like not real, but yeah, she's a ghost. And then there's um, Last Guardian, where the whole thing is you're a little boy being shepherded along this fantastical world by this you know dog, squirrel, cat, beast, and it like you fall in love with this thing because it's playing that game is like training a new puppy. Mm-hmm. And it does things you with, teach it how with to your behave. emotions yeah. about that. Like, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I really want to play Shadow of the Colossus. I'm glad it's coming to PS4 because I'm a millennial and I didn't play when it first came out because I was too young to care about games about story. <laughs> so, Chris, someone should ask you, what are the games you're most excited about? You know what I'm not I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. Uh, you know, I talked about, uh, I posted that Devolver thread, which is the thing I was most <laughs> Uh, impressed about that was, it was yep. amazing. I was going to ask who won E3, but I think it's Devolver for sure. Well, the thing is, I mean, I didn't watch it, but it was great. Is you know, you you buy your ticket to E3, and the first ride you get on, if it's not that nightmare carousel of the Devolver press, then at the very least, you get off on the floor right by Devolver, and that's where they had all the indie games this year. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they won without ever needing to show a game. Um, their whole post show was an Eric Andre style, like eight hour marathon of uh, one of their guys. John Carnage just like they would have fake games on there and he'd like scream at the people who brought them on they had like actual like Twitch employees come on and he'd like have like friendly conversations with them but then like play games with them and like break the set and it's just it was wild <laughs> um so Devolver always impresses. And, and um, Ruiner looked pretty good. That was their game. Yeah, Ruiner. Little slices of, right? Yeah, they've shown a really little... Really Bastion-looking kind of thing. Yeah, they've shown a little bit of it before. Um, it's like a cyberpunk, like top-down strategy adventure game, kind of. Um, almost like XCOM without the turn-based stuff. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. Excited to see more details about the actual gameplay. But the trailer was really neat. You know, it did that dubstep thing that games do sometimes. And this time it, you know, works. They showed a game at the show floor, Absolver, which I've heard good things about. Um, and and uh, One Minute Hero, I think it's called. Um, oh, yeah. It's supposed to be really cool. Where every time <laughs> you start the game, you have 60 seconds. And at the end of 60 seconds, your character dies and you start over. But if you make significant progression, like you unlock a door or you pick up a sword or you pick up an item or you kill an enemy, then that is permanent. But your character dies and your progression is gone. But like the swords and the stuff you picked up are in the house you, you start at. So everything is within a 60 second radius of where your character can walk to it's all just gated naturally hmm. uh, and it's got a hell of a pedigree too like developers so from like lots of like triple a a plus games just developed it uh, with a game jam that happened a couple years ago just developers fucking around mm-hmm. and devolver was like we'll make that a real game because devolver doesn't give a shit which is why i think i like them so much nice other than that it was more of the same from your big publishers e3 had sports Assassin's Creed, racing, Bethesda, really underwhelming. I really hated that. I did like uh, Evil Within 2. Did you see the trailer for that? Yeah, I saw the trailer for it, but I remember the first game, and I didn't play it, but I watched a playthrough, which I guess isn't the same, but underwhelming. I did the same I did the same thing. I saw a playthrough over. I thought yeah. it was cool enough. I'm a horror game person. Yeah. But uh, the trailer made it look more out there. And yeah. less just like gore. Yeah. The first one. So that's your thing. That's there. But trailer's pretty stylish, though. It's pretty yeah. like effective horror movie trailer. Yeah. Fallout 4 and Doom on VR, both of which were kind of panned by people who saw it at the event. And Skyrim VR was also supposed to be kind of janky. Uh, Dishonored DLC, and that's pretty much it from Bethesda. I really wasn't. And Brent, I know that I like hyped you up because I thought they were going to show Starfield. Yeah, man. And. I- they kept, they kept showing this, like, space thing in the background of, like, their weird, like, uh, amusement park module during their press event. And I was like, oh, that's Starfield. They're going to get to it. It's going to close the show out. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so great. It's going to be the best press event ever. It's going to be the greatest. And then, uh, like, Donald Trump, I was disappointed by everything around me. <laughs> uh, and they didn't show up. But, you know, it started as a 4chan leak. Bethesda kind of confirmed it. Probably not going to be till Gamescom or... Uh, they don't really do TGS. Uh, maybe PAX. Oh, you see that next. Or see it as a reveal. Real quick, going through the rest. Lots of driving games this year. I mean, you got a new console. You're going to show off cars. That's really kind of the best thing you can do. Microsoft had a new Metro game. Uh, they had PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds on there. Nice. Who, what he did was he hyped up the ability to vault over objects, rain, uh, snow, and fog, and new weather patterns. 
and the crowd went fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> they like not because they were surprised that Player Unknown was now not unknown was this like Irish dude, but uh, you know, games coming to consoles, so you're hearing this and you're just an X-Bone player or X-Bone on X player. <laughs> you know, it's coming to you. But Anthem was also revealed during Microsoft. I think that looks really good. I know that uh, one, not fan of the show, but at least fan of us, uh, Rob, played this game a lot. But this is the developers who worked on um, uh, Dragon Age, uh, the game, the Dragon yeah, yeah. Age games. All of those games. They're creating like a Mass Effect style like sci-fi game. Where you like pilot not a mech but like a like a reinforced bodysuit, a la like Ripley and Aliens ending. It looks really neat. It's like they're trying to split the gap between Destiny and um, Mass Effect, um, and they're gonna. The demos looked cool. The trailer looked cool. Um, I'm keeping my eye on that. Sony was boring as shit. Sony didn't show anything I wanted to see. Um, Uncharted. I'm sorry, but fuck Uncharted. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um, what else aren't you interested in? <laughs> so many things. I'll probably try out that Monster Hunter game. Did you? Yeah, it's pretty like cool. That? Yeah, I um, haven't played a Monster Hunter game, and it's a huge franchise. I'll probably approach the way I approached Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that I don't have any interest in watching this, but I know that people are ravenous about this, mm-hmm. so there There's must something be something there. to it. So yeah. I want to check it out. It's coming to PS4. Yeah, Spider Man looked great. They showed kind of really short, like a Jackbox type game called You Choose. Hmm. And it's but instead of doing like word games and jokes, it's like a bunch of like physical activities. It looks neat, and apparently from people playing it, they say it's fun. Hmm. Pretty much it. I mean, there was Nintendo, which I already kind of referenced. They've got everything that you would think of as a Nintendo first party. There's a Kirby game coming. There's Metroid game, a Yoshi's Yoshi game where you're throwing eggs. Uh, Breath of the Wild DLC for Legend of Zelda, Mario Odyssey. I think I'm going to buy a Switch before October because there's so many of those games I want to play. Hmm. Nice. Hopefully we hit a price drop before then. But anyway. How did it, uh, this is the, you, you know, you got me and I think Brent excited for my first E3 I think I've paid attention to in quite some time. How did it stack up to like other E3s? I feel like this year they, they talked about a lot of known quantities. And it's not that there were leaks. Nintendo got ahead of Super Mario Odyssey news and they kind of do their own thing. With their Nintendo Directs. Last year at E3, they kind of hinted, they, they showed off this bit, this piece of Super Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. and their release date was holiday season 2017. And last E3 was all holiday or 2017, late 2017, Q3 2017. Right. And this year, instead of instead of it being more about late 2018, holiday 2018, March 2018, it was kind of a follow-up of it. And it was like... There's a lot of October and December 2017. Yeah, it was... I don't know if this is the way that E3's pendulum naturally sways, but... So last year was more of a hype year, and this year was more of a confirmation of the hype, Mm. where, um, you know, all these trailers you heard about, um, like, they're real things. Because, you know, 10% of games announced at E3 don't get released. They get shake hand or they get pushed aside put on the back burner or whatever or like um, Beyond Good and Evil 2 mm-hmm. um, which was first announced in 2008 yeah. was finally finally has a release date confirmed this year that trailer was cool it was really cool but there's no gameplay or anything no. so I don't know what else to say yeah kind of an underwhelming show um, but I think we covered the highlights Hmm. There's a couple of our favorites. Like I don't think Ruiner is making anyone's list, but I'm really excited about that game and A Way Out. I think A Way Out's getting buried underneath a lot of other big name games. Yeah. You know, you, you God of War. Looks, uh, God of War looks good, but I just don't have any interest in the series. Same, yeah, same with me. I never really got into that. Same with I don't really like Assassin's Creed. That was some like the biggest stuff. But you were a good Sherpa for us, finding like all the cool <laughs> little stuff. Posting videos. Also appreciate you giving us the good nuggets. Well, that's the long and long of E3. Nice. May E rest in peace. (laughs) All right, so we'll talk about uh, best bet for last week was, did we say Cars 3? We're recording this on a Friday, so we don't know if that's true or not. Right. Yeah, we just don't know. I think we did say Cars 3. The only, like, mass release coming up this week is the new Transformers movie. That's, like, literally it. Oh, really? So just don't go see anything. <laughs> so, we're, so we're right about Cars 3, and we're going to be right that Transformers is going to be the big one. Right. Yep. I just looked it up on IMDb. It says The Big Sick and The Beguiled are coming out. I'm they're, assuming they're that's limited. LA, New York or something. Yeah, that's fine. Because I want to watch both those movies. I would recommend buying a ticket to New York to see one of those movies before <laughs> going to see Transformers. Transformers, Transformers the last the night. Yeah. With a K. Yeah. 
Which makes it really hard to look up uh, the game that David was really excited about, The Last Night, because they have the same title, but one has a K, and Google autocorrects The Last uh, Night without the K to, did you mean Transformers The Last Night? Of course you did. starts automatically playing a video in your search <laughs> bar? I <laughs> <laughs> not that's possible. Let me see Sam Wicky. <laughs> have you heard the plot of The Last Night? No. Uh, apparently Anthony Hopkins is out of money. That's what the plot of The Last Night is. <laughs> that could nice. be the plot or real life, and I agree that's true. I'd be so impressed if he played himself. And, <laughs> like, I need money. <laughs> Let's film some of your robots doing something, Mark Wahlberg's character. <laughs> yeah. My grandkid needs a castle. <laughs> so I made this god-awful movie. All right, so, yeah, no recommendation here. Yeah. There you go. Ended on a good note. <laughs> what is this podcast called? This podcast was Talkie Talk, podcast for TheMediaBias.com. Connect with us through the following means. Twitter, at TheMediaBias. Email, TheMediaBias at gmail.com. Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV By Us, Games By Us. Or a pigeon. Or a pigeon. Raven. Any of these. Simone. <laughs> Pony Express. Simone. Or do it in the future and Raven will know about it. <laughs> but yeah, we'd love to hear from you for any podcast topics and please subscribe to the podcast and give it a five star rating. We got enough ratings that we are a five star rated podcast and that's through you guys, so I want to say thanks. Mm-hmm. We are. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think at this point we're no longer allowed to say that because I think that violates some law about false advertising or influencing people to <laughs> to uh, rank us at a certain degree, but you guys know we're all doing it in good fun. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and we don't, we'll kill ourselves. <laughs> but if you do, we'll give you dollars. <laughs> we'll kill ourselves on air and make sure to give that a five star rating. <laughs> It'll be our last one. But anyway, who's going to edit it then? <laughs> want to say thanks to the Willow Walkers for providing the intro music, and thanks will be in the show notes for whoever does the outro music. I want to say thanks to Chris. Thanks, Brent. DJ. Bye. And myself. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> I want all your spit. <laughs> How do straws right. work?